الحمد لله الحمد لله وكفى الصلاة والسلام على عباده الذين اصطفى أما بعد فأعوذ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم قل أعوذ برب الناس ملك الناس إله الناس من شر الوسواس الخناس الذي يؤسس في صدور الناس من الجنة والناس صدق الله العظيم respected mothers and sisters the nature of insan is such that if something is very simple very straightforward very easy then the easy and straightforward things things that come without any difficulty without any effort or hardly any effort a person generally takes these things very lightly something that is very complicated that seems to be very very advanced that a person has to go way out to try and acquire it spend a lot of money for it that always seems to have more of an attraction and seems to be more effective and the reason this is the reason that often we leave out very simple effective solutions to our problems and dive headlong into very complicated things. We will leave something that is very easily possible to do and very effective, but go for something that is very difficult and its effect also is very limited. In the, the subject that we are discussing, to take that as an example, that Allah forbid somebody is afflicted with some jinn, jadu, etc., These are realities. It's not something that anybody can deny. These are mentioned in the Quran Sharif. So these are realities. Now there are two ways in which one can approach this problem. One is the very simple and most effective way and that is the most effective way which has been taught by Rasulullah himself. Which has been given to us in Deen directly. And the other is that a person now goes through various other means, spends huge sums of money, goes through amils and Allah forbid some go beyond that to some kind of sangomas and all kinds of things are done. And somebody tells him that in order to get this sorted out you'll have to bring so much of money and you'll have to buy one black goat and you'll have to go late at night on the shore and slaughter this goat and very weird things and a person will get ready for all these things. Whereas sometimes the very simple solution is right at his hand but he is not ready to take that or he doesn't want to pay attention to that. So this is the thing that we have to first change in terms of the mindset when it comes to these aspects of jinn, jadu and all the other related things that the most effective solutions to these are that which has been given to us in the Quran and in the Sunnah of Rasulullah Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. Among the most powerful things against Sihar, against Jinnat, this Jadu and Jinn, the most powerful thing is the Quran Sharif itself. Just to take one example, one incident which happened not so long ago in Durban, one of the suburbs of Durban, there were two children attending one maktab and after some time, suddenly they stopped attending. The alim that is teaching there tried a lot of times to try and get into contact with them, went to the house, but nobody would open the door. Eventually, they were not even staying there anymore. And he just couldn't make any contact. And overnight, they just suddenly stopped coming. The long story, just to get to the cuts of it, after some time one day, the mother suddenly appeared herself with the children, and she said, I want to put the children back into the madrasa. The Sustad was very amazed what happened. They suddenly went out of sight and now they're back. So she had come along and there was another person with her, one Christian man. She says, this is the person I want to marry and he wants to accept Islam. We want our nikah to be performed also. Then she gave, he asked what happened, what is the whole story behind what's going on here. So in short, what she explained was that the husband had separated from her, this 
The father was actually a Muslim. He had come into Islam later. He was a revert. The father then disappeared and he left the family behind and they were left to fend for themselves. Then she got somehow linked up to this Christian person. So as a result, he insisted that now these children must stop being mothers also. So they came out of here. She pulled them out of the mother's house and cut off all contact with everybody. Some time passed and then she got extremely ill. All the medical treatment failed. Then they went to whoever they could to try and give some other kind of treatment. They went to some goma, then they went to anyone and everyone. And all that failed. And she was getting extremely ill, more sick by the day. One day out of the blue, both these children, one was when they were in madrasa, one was in grade 5, the other one was in grade 1. So out of the blue, these two children said to her, or the elder one said to her that, you've been going all over these places, what we learnt in madrasa, let us read that at least. So the one child, the elder child knew some surahs, whatever surahs he knew, he started reciting those surahs. The younger child knew some kalimas, etc., which he still remembered. He started reciting those kalimas. And she's saying, as these children are reciting, each time that they recited some surah, or recited some kalima, I could already feel the relief coming. And this continued over time. They carried on reciting and carried on reciting every now and again, maybe several times a day. And in a short while, I got completely relieved and completely cured from this sickness. So as a result, I realized that what my folly is that opened my eyes, that whatever, what am I doing, where am I heading, where am I taking my children to? And I decided, no, I want to come back into Islam, come back, bring, bring my children back to Madrasa. So this person also has accepted he'll become a Muslim too and he'll make our nikah again. So this became the cure from this severe problem that he was facing. This was the Quran Sharif. So the Quran Sharif is a great weapon against all these things. This is the word of Allah Taala In the Hadith Sharif, Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Abdullah bin Abbas he says that Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi said that a person in whose heart there is no part of the Quran Sharif then this is like a deserted house if the house is deserted after a short while Shayateen, Jinnah start inhabiting this place it becomes a place that becomes as we say haunted so a deserted house this is a common thing so a deserted heart, a deserted heart, the same thing happens, that when that heart is deserted from Qur'an Sharif, one is to know some part of the Qur'an Sharif by heart, at least some short surahs, and we should try over time to even learn Surah Yasin at least. Surah Yasin is the heart of the Qur'an Sharif. So if a person merely just looks inside and decides Surah Yasin daily every morning, which should be our practice in the Hadith Sharif, Nabi Islam says, the person who decides Surah Yasin at the beginning of the day, Qudiyat Hawa Ijo. Then all his needs of that day will be fulfilled. So if we just do this as a daily practice also, in time, inshallah, this will become part of our memory. We will have learnt it by heart. So at least some part of the Quran Sharif to learn. But together with that, and more importantly, is to recite the Quran Sharif daily. We will learn some part, but to must. One is a person learned a lot, might be even a hafiz of the Qur'an Sharif, but doesn't recite it. So that is a very bad thing, that a person is not reciting the Qur'an Sharif. So this is the very important thing, that daily some recitation of the Qur'an Sharif should take, should take place. In Abu Huraira, it's quoted from him that he said, that al Qur'an, says that that home wherein the Qur'an Sharif is recited, that home becomes comfortable for the people of the home. It may not necessarily be a palatial home, a huge mansion, it might be something small. But Allah Ta'ala puts the comfort in it. And Allah forbid, if Allah Ta'ala draws out the comfort, then even a king in his palace will feel terribly uncomfortable. So when this Qur'an Sharif is recited daily in the home, then it becomes comfortable. Comfort is not necessarily from things. Comfort is actually in the heart. And a person will just feel at home when he's at home. Many a person, unfortunately, 
They write, they say, I don't even feel like going home. I don't have any heart to even return from work. So that home hasn't been, is no more home. It's just a house with walls and furniture and whatever, but it's not a home. So when a person, this Quran Sharif recited in his home, and this is a regular thing, all the people of the household are reciting Quran Sharif, it becomes a comfortable place for him. And there's a great amount of good that comes in that home, the barakah increases. And the malaika, they come and inhabit the, the place. And the shayateen, the evil jinnat, they then flee from such a place. Because they cannot bear to listen to the Qur'an Sharif. When the Qur'an Sharif is recited, they flee away from there, they cannot be there. And on the other side, Surah Al-Burira says, وَإِنَّ الْبَيْتَ الَّذِي لَا يُتْلَى فِيهِ كِتَابُ اللَّهِ عَزَّ وَجَلْ That that home wherein the Qur'an Sharif is not recited, بَاقَ بِأَهْلِهِ Then life becomes difficult for the people of the household. And وَقَلَّ خَيْرُهُ The barakah goes away. وَخَرَجَتْ مِنْهُ الْمَلَائِكَ The malaika then go away from such a home. And وَحَذَرَتْهُ shayateen. The shayateen, they come and inhabit such a place. So this is something that we should be making a part of our daily program of the home. That every day, everybody is reciting Qur'an Sharif. Some amount of Qur'an Sharif is being recited in the home. And this brings all the khair, the barakat, the blessings. It invites the malaika. It becomes a means of chasing the shayateen out. And this is the protection from all this jinnati show. That the shayateen are chased out. The jinnat are the evil beings that are known as the shayateen. The evil jinnat are the shayateen. So, this is the protection from these shayateen, from these jinnat that are evil, that a person has Quran Sharif recited daily in the home. One is Tilawat in general, that should be a part of our daily life. Over and above that, there are certain specific aspects, certain specific portions of the Quran Sharif that have been prescribed for the protection against jinn, sihar, sihar is jalu, black magic, all these things. So there are certain specific parts of the Quran Sharif, certain surahs and ayat of the Quran Sharif that have been prescribed by Rasulullah One of them is Ayatul Kursi. Ayatul Kursi, very well known to all of us. Allahu la ilaha illahu al-hayyul qayyum la ta'akhuduhu sinatu wa la The entire ayat. This is a very great protection. In Bukhari Sharif, in the narration of Bukhari Sharif, what is mentioned is the person who recites Ayatul Kursi at night, then Allah Ta'ala appoints an angel to guard over him. And the shayateen cannot approach him until it becomes morning. The whole night, this angel will guard over him and the shayateen will not be able to approach him. Abdurrahman ibn Awf radiallahu ta'ala'an, when he would come home at night, it is mentioned about him that he would go to all the four corners of the home and recite Ayatul Kursi. So as if this was a form of now surrounding the house with this protection of Ayatul Kursi. So we want to put a lot of various other ways of guarding our home from so many things. But this is the protection that Nabi Islam is giving us. There's no harm in having all the other protection. But the main protection is what Nabi Islam has given us. And that is Ayatul Kursi. So this should be something very, very importantly practiced on that we don't ever miss out reciting Ayatul Kursi at night before going to bed. Apart from that, other aspects that have been prescribed by Nabi Wasallam, one is, and this is the very, very effective thing, is the recitation of the last two surahs of the Qur'an Sharif, known as the Mu'awwazatayn, Surah Falaq and Surah Nas. And these two surahs are actually the topic of our discussion, that this is the most effective antidote and most effective solution to all these problems of sihr, etc. In regarding these two surahs, Ibn Qayyim rahimahullah, he says regarding these surahs that we are totally in need and we have, we are desperately in need of reciting these surahs daily. And further he says, وَأَنَّهُ لَا يَسْتَغْنِي عَنْهُمَا أَحَدٌ قَدْتُ That nobody can ever be 
independent of these two surahs, nobody can do without them. Not a single person can do without them. And he says, وَأَنَّ لَهُمَا تَأْثِيرًا خَاصًا فِي دَفْعِ السِّحْرِ وَالْعَيْنِ وَسَائِرِ الشُّرُورِ There's a very special effect in the recitation of those, these two surahs in repelling jagu and black magic. Likewise, the ill effects of nazar, somebody's eye, the ill effects of the eye, and jinn, and all other evils. These two surahs, the recitation of this has a very direct and very deep effect. And then further he says, وَأَنَّ حَاجَةَ الْعَبْدِ إِلَى الْإِسْتِعَادَةِ بِهَاتَيْنِ السُّورَتَيْنِ أَعْضَبُ مِنْ حَاجَتِهِ إِلَى النَّفَسِ وَالطَّعَامِ وَالشَّرَابِ وَالْلِبَاسِ He says, I need to seek protection using these two surahs. This is, we have a greater need for reciting these two, these two surahs than the need to breathe, to eat, to drink, and to have clothing more important than all these things. These are all basic necessities of life. We can't live without these things. More important than all that he says is the recitation of these two surahs. That if we regard eating and drinking and etc. as very important, then more important than that is the recitation of these surahs. This is how effective this is. And in the Hadith Sharif Abu Sa'id Khudri he says that كَانَ رَسُولُ اللَّهِ صَلَى اللَّهُ عَلَيْهِ وَسَلَّمْ يَتَعَوَّذُ مِنَ الْجَانِ وَعَيْنِ الْإِنسَانِ حَتَّى نَزَلَتِ الْمَعُوَّذَتَانِ The Nabi initially, he used to keep asking Allah Ta'ala's protection from the jinnat and from the evil eye. But after the mu'awwazatain were revealed, then he just restricted himself to the recitation of these surahs. He left out everything else. This became the main thing, this became the protection from everything. And Nabi Islam says that a person has never ever sought the protection of Allah Ta'ala with anything that can be equal to the Mu'awazadain, Surah Falaq and Surah Nas. So this is the thing that we have to be very, uh, very punctual on, that the recitation of these two surahs be recited, these two surahs be recited all the time. One is the recitation of these two surahs in general, but there are some specific times to recite it. In one hadith, Uqba bin Amir radiallahu he says, Nabi instructed me to recite these surahs after every salah. So, surah Falaq, surah Nas, after every salah, this is established from Tirmidhi Sharif, this device is there, that after every salah a person should recite this. Then together with that, Aisha radiallahu says, that when Nabi would come to his bed, he would then raise his hands like in the manner of dua, when a person is making dua, how he has his hands at that time, Nabi Islam would raise his hands in that manner. And then he would recite Surah Ikhlas, Qulhullahu Ahad, then Surah Falaq, and Surah Nas. And after having recited these three surahs, he would blow into his hands, into his palms, and then he would pass his palms over his entire body, starting from his head, then his face, and then as far as his hands would reach, the front end of the body up to his feet, and wherever he could pass his hand over the back, this would be his practice. They, and he would do this three times. Every night when coming to bed, he would practice on this in this manner. Then on, in one hadith, uh, Abdullah bin Khubayb radiallahu ta'ala, he says it was a very stormy, a very dark and uh, rainy night, and I came out in search of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi and then I found him, and he said, recite. Just the crux of the Hadith Sharif, he said, recite. I asked what, I kept quiet, I said, what should I recite? Then he himself said, recite Surah Ikhlas, Surah Falaq, and Surah Nas. Recite this every morning and every evening, three times each. Recite it three times each morning and evening, and takfika min kulli shay. This will suffice for you from everything. Mullah Khari Rahmatullah explains that among the things it will suffice is, Min kulli sharr, from every evil, jinn, jadu, and all these things, this will suffice. So this is the effect of Surah Falaq and Surah Nas, and according to these riwayat, included with that would be the recitation of Surah Ikhlas as well. But we are primarily discussing Surah Falaq and Surah Nas. So these are very, very effective. As far as the background to the revelation of these surahs is concerned, that this was revealed on the occasion when Rasulullah himself became afflicted with this aspect of 
jadu with some black magic. What is mentioned in the books of hadith is that after Nabi Sallallahu returned from Hudaybiyah, this was in the 7th year Hijri, and there was this Jew, Yahudi, Labid ibn al-Asam. The Jews came to him at that time, when Nabi Sallallahu returned from Hudaybiyah, they came to him and said to him that we have been trying to do some black magic, some jadu on Muhammad Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, but we failed. You are the biggest expert in this. So, you do something and they promise three gold coins, that we will give you these three gold coins. Any case, Lavid then cast his spell and as a result, this affected Rasulullah Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. The effect of it was such that when Nabi Salaam would sometimes come to eat, it would suddenly appear that he had already eaten. He would feel that way, that he had already eaten, so he would now not want to eat anymore. Likewise, many other day-to-day mundane things, he would sometimes want to do something and it will appear that he had already done it in terms of day-to-day things, day-to-day life. But this did not affect him in any way with regards to his mission of deen, with regards to his responsibilities of nubuat. It could not have any effect in that regard. But in human needs, it had some effect. And this remained with Nabi Wasallam for approximately six months. Now, this was the effect that it had. And Labid ibn al-Asam, his sister, had mentioned to the people at that time, the Jews, that this is such a spell that has been cast on him, that either he is a Nabi, and if he is a Nabi, then he will get to know about this, because he will be told about it by his Rabb. And if not, then this will have such an effect on his mind, that it will make him go insane. But Allah Ta'ala protected Rasulullah being the Nabi of Allah Ta'ala, that this could not do such harm on him, and it could not affect him in any way in terms of his nubuat, in terms of his duties and responsibilities of nubuat. This could not have any effect in that regard. But this made Nabi Wasallam very sick, and these kind of aspects used to be happening to him, where he would sometimes feel he has already eaten, whereas he has not eaten, and these kind of aspects were continuing. Initially, Rasulullah regarded it as some medical problem. And as a result, he undertook some medical treatments. The treatment, medical treatment that he undertook at the time was some cupping on his head. This was the treatment that he undertook at that time. But this was not related to a medical problem. But the lesson we learn from this is that Nabi Wasallam didn't jump to any conclusions himself. He first undertook the normal processes. He undertook medical treatment, obviously he is the Nabi of Allah Ta'ala, but when there was no wahi yet regarding the issue, so he took the normal processes, he undertook medical treatment. This unfortunately is a common issue nowadays, that anything and everything is dumped on Jadu, is dumped on Jinnat. These are realities, nobody can deny the reality, but anything and everything being dumped on Jadu and Jinnat, this is a form of escapism. That a person doesn't have to now account for his deeds. A person doesn't have to become accountable for what he's doing. So, this is not wrong as well. Sometimes it happens that a person is now getting up to some kind of evil or some child is behaving very, very strangely. So, it has happened, these kind of incidents have happened, they brought in finally to an amil. The army even said something, whatever. But after investigating further, all his strange behavior was that Allah forbid, Allah Ta'ala protect one and all, that he was involved on some substance abuse. So all his strange behavior was now being passed off onto Jadu, but it was the, the root of it and the real reason was the substance abuse. He was on some drugs, whatever. So as a result now, when this got passed off onto Jadu, nobody is attending to what the real problem is. Nobody is cheating the root of the issue. As a result, this got worse, and he became even more addicted to the substances, and it created a major disaster for him, for his family. Now, this is something that one has to deal with in the way that that is dealt with. So, 
that is an issue. Sometimes there are issues at home, and anything, any issue, immediately there's the issue is now dumped on Jadu, is dumped on well, somebody did something. Whereas often the problem simply is that one or both of the spouses simply haven't learned akhlaq. They haven't learned sabr. They haven't learned tolerance. They haven't learned how to overlook and forgive and forget and move on with life. So now anything and everything is dumped on Jadu. One woman came to one alim and she said, look, this is an ongoing problem. Something has happened. Please give one, one taweez. All the time I'm fighting with my husband and he's fighting with me and there's no end to the fight. So I want one taweez. So he asked a few questions and he ascertained what is the real jinnat here. So he said, look, I got one taweez. He read something and he blew on some water. And then he said, look, this is a very, very effective taweez. But the procedure of how to take this taweez is, that when you see your husband is about to now enter the house after the day's work now, he's come home and now he's just walking up the path. At that time you must take one gulp, one mouthful of this water in which I've read. But the effect of this taweez is only by holding the water in your mouth for at least 15 minutes. So you must take one mouthful, but don't swallow it. You must keep it in your mouth for 15 minutes. Then it will be effective. So in any case she took it and went home. Now, when she saw the husband coming, she quickly took this water, she took one gulp, now she held it in her mouth, now the husband came, so the usual story would be that on the first step, as soon as he enters the house, the greetings would be some kind of fight. But now today, when everything was silent, because now if she tries to say something, she's going to have to end up swallowing the water, and otherwise she's going to spit it out, but now she has to hold this water in, so her mouth was closed. And she kept quiet, so he kept quiet also. After 15 minutes, then finally she swallowed the water. So now, by that time, she was calm and cool because that initial, whatever the whole day she wanted to offload everything one time, she forgot about it. So he forgot about everything. After a couple of days, she came back to the Mahana and said, Mashallah, what a Tawiz you gave. The Tawiz was extremely effective. He said, the Tawiz was your tongue. That you kept your tongue, held it in control, you weren't talking for the 15 minutes, you kept quiet, he kept quiet also, everything went calm. So that was the effect. Otherwise the water, I just read something and blew, there was nothing particular about it. It was that you didn't just jump, first go, as soon as he enters the house, you now start offloading everything. He's come tired, so now he gets upset, and one thing leads to another. So the point is that often we just jump to conclusions, and everything and anything is dumped on Jadu and Jin. Whereas this is something that we need to take the correct procedure. If it's a medical thing, we undertake the medical treatment. If it is some other problem, we attend to that problem. And we don't just take anything and everything and dump it on Jadu. Then the other aspect was that after Rasulullah when he undertook the medical treatment also, but it didn't seem to help. So then he confined himself to dua. Obviously dua would have been continuing all the time. But now he really increased his dua. In the hadith of Bukhari Sharif it is mentioned that Nabi Sallallahu then turned to dua and in the manner in which he made dua, hatta in the Nabi Sallallahu one night in Muslim Sharif is divided is, da'a Rasulullah Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, summa da'a, summa da'a, Nabi Sallallahu made dua upon dua. That is how we can explain this, that how we would express it. That when somebody made a lot of dua, so Nabi Islam made dua upon dua. Now can we imagine that Nabi of Allah Ta'ala, what would have been his normal daily routine of dua? That on this occasion he made so much more dua than that, that the Sahabi is explaining it as da'a, summa da'a, summa da'a. That Nabi Islam went on and on making dua. Now this is the other very important lesson here, that undertaking whatever permissible means there may be to treat all these various issues, if it's permissible within the permissible limits, no problem with it, but we are coming to the tertib of that. But the main thing is dua. Sometimes a person will do anything and everything, he'll spend all the money that he can spend. He'll go and sit in the queue to see some army, for example, He'll sit there for one hour, two hours, five hours. 
but he won't be able to sit and make dua for five minutes also. To make dua would be a very difficult thing for him. But to sit in the queue for five hours, that he'll manage to do. Now, whereas Nabi Sallallahu is the closest to Allah Taala, he is the most beloved of Allah Taala. And what would have been his level of dua also? Yet Nabi Sallallahu is resorting to dua upon dua. How much dua he must have made? Now, this is the thing we have to learn. And this is what we have to be doing, turning to Allah Ta'ala in dua and making a lot of dua. Together with dua in terms of begging Allah Ta'ala in the manner that we ask after salah at other times, there are certain duas that Nabi Sallallahu taught to be recited in terms of these are the protections. In one hadith it is mentioned that Nabi Sallallahu taught some one sahabi to recite A'udhu bi kalimatillahi ta'amma min ghadabihi wa sharri ibadihi wa min hamazati shayateen wa iyahdurun that Nabi Sallallahu taught the Sahabi that recite these words these would be a means of protection for you A'udhu bi kalimatillahi ta'amma I seek protection in the complete words of Allah Taala, the perfect words of Allah Taala, min ghadabihi from his wrath and was sharri ibadihi from the evil of his servants and from all the whispers of shayateen and that the shayateen should come and interfere with me in any way Abdullah ibn Amr this is in Abu Dawud Sharif it is mentioned that any of his children who had already reached the age of being able to understand then he would teach them to recite this he would teach it to them and make them recite it and if some child was still very small he would write it for the child and put it onto him, like a Taweez as we would say. So this Taweez is not shirk, as some people unfortunately believe that these Taweez are shirk. It's not shirk provided that it is free from anything to do with shirk. The Taweez is something that doesn't have any words that link one to shirk, or the belief regarding it is correct, that this is a form of ilaj only. It is a form of treatment. So, that is one lesson. But the other thing is that those children who could uh, recite and those children who were of an understanding age, then he didn't in unnecessarily put this on for them. He made them learn it and made them recite it. So that is the original thing. That as far as possible, we recite what is meant to be recited. Children who are still of a very small age, they can't recite, then the service is used for them. It's fine. If it's used for adults, there is some leeway for that also, but the main thing is to be reciting. That is the main thing. So we recite as much as we can of these du'as. The other aspect is when entering the home. When entering a home, a person enters with Bismillah, closes the door with Bismillah. When a person is eating, reciting Bismillah. Now it's such a simple thing. But in the Hadith Sharif it is mentioned, when a person recites Bismillah and closes the door, the shayateen call out to one another that there is no place for you to, no accommodation here for you. When he decides Bismillah and eats, the shayateen say no food for you here, go somewhere else. When a person closes the door without reciting Bismillah, the shayateen come in. And they say here you found accommodation, you can come in, welcome, everybody is welcome here. And when a person starts eating without Bismillah, the shayateen say you got accommodation and food as well here. This is full board and lodge here. So, now can we imagine we are allowing the shayateen to come and board and lodge in our homes. So obviously what they are going to cause, they are going to cause a whole lot of fitna, whole lot of mischief, cause problems and difficulties. So, this is the thing to be very conscious about, that we always close the doors, etc. with reciting Bismillah. And then, our personal protection when leaving the home, to leave with the Muslim dua, Bismillah, tawakkaltu ala Allah. La hawla wa la quwwata illa billah. In the Hadith Sharif it is mentioned that when a person leaves the home and recites these kalimat, these words, Bismillahi tawakkaltu ala Allah, la hawla wa la quwwata illa billah, then an angel calls out to him that hudita, wa kufita, wa wukita, wa talaha anhu shayateen. That the angel calls out to him that you have been granted hidayat and your needs have been taken care of. And you have been protected. And then it is mentioned that the shayateen just move out of his way. So now this is the way in which he has protected himself by reciting these words. 
that he has protected himself from the shayateen. When he comes in, he decides, Bismillah protects himself from the shayateen inside the house. When he's leaving the house, he decides these kalimat, he's got the protection from the shayateen outside the house. So these are the things to be reciting. Then apart from that, there are other things also, for example, a person, when he visits the toilet, so before entering the toilet to recite the Muslim dua, Allahumma inya'udhu bika min al-khubuthi wal-khabayid, Nabi Islam says, when a person enters the toilet without reciting this dua, the shayateen interfere with him in the toilet. And if he recites this dua, then there is a veil cast between him and the shayateen. They cannot see him then. Now these are the protections that we have been given in the ahadis, simple, very easy to practice on, no difficulty, no time taken, and in this way a person gains the protection. So in any case, as you were explaining that Rasulullah he resorted to dua, and dua upon dua, then he mentioned that Aisha that Allah Ta'ala has finally revealed to me what the problem is. That I was now suffering for so long with this difficulty, and I made dua upon dua, and now finally the issue has been opened out to me. Nabi Islam saw a dream, and he explained this dream to Aisha radiallahu ta'ala anha, that Hazrat Jibreel came and stood at his head side, and Hazrat Mikail came and stood at his feet side, and then he asked Hazrat Jibreel that what is he suffering from? So Jibreel replied, he is suffering from sihr, from jadu. Mikail asked, who cast the spell on him? So he replied that Labid ibn al-Asam, he said, where is it, or what was it cast? He says, in a comb, and on the hair that was stuck onto the comb. So this is something to be careful about, that how do we dispose of any hair that comes out while combing or falls off? That this is not just to be left lying around, thrown anywhere. <coughs> this is something to be very well looked after till buried. In other words, kept away separately somewhere in some container or something, and then a person takes it and buries it away. This is what is to be done in terms of the hair. So in any case, he said it was done on this comb and on the hair that was stuck onto the comb. Where is it? So he said it's in this well, in the well of Zu Arwan. This is where it is. Nabi Sallallahu then sent some Sahaba to the well and then he himself got, went to the well in person with some other Sahaba. When he went there, Nabi Sallallahu described Aisha Aisha and he said to her that the water of that well had become red, like mehendi, like henao had been added to the water, it was completely red in that manner. And the date palms that were around this well, the effect of this jadu had turned the heads of the date palms, it was appearing like the heads of shayateen. Very eerie situation, very eerie. Nabi Islam had all the water of this well drawn out, then one sahabi descended, and this was all put under a heavy rock under this in the, in the depth of this well. So he had this removed, and when this was brought out, at that time, Allah Ta'ala revealed these last two surahs of the Qur'an Sharif to Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. And there were eleven knots tied onto this hair that was on the comb. And these two surahs put together have eleven ayat. Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam went on reciting one ayat at a time, and as he recited one ayat, one knot opened out. And he recited another ayat, another not opened out. There was also a wax figure in this well, which was pulled out. This was meant to be so-called the figure of Rasulullah And there were needles all poked into this wax figure. And as the Prophet recited the surah, he even pulled out those needles one at a time. As he pulled out those needles, each time he pulled out a needle, there was a severe pain and then immense relief. And eventually all these knots were untied, and all these pins were removed, and Nabi Islam gained complete relief from this jadu and this sihar that was done on him. Now one very important lesson that we learn from this point is, that after Nabi Islam came and he explained all this to Hazrat Aisha Aisha said to him that why don't we burn this person? In other words, this Nabi Ibn Asam, who was responsible for this, why don't we kill him, execute him, burn him? He's done such a terrible thing. So Nabi Islam said, I don't wish to cause any fitna among people. Nabi Islam just forgot about it and overlooked it. Now this was something that he was informed 
about Labid ibn Asam being responsible for this by means of Wahi. It was direct revelation. Jibreel brought this message and came. Yet Nabi did not take any revenge. And he did not take any action against him. Now, where is it possible then or permissible that a person acts upon the information given by some amil that so and so did this to you because that information to start off with is not wahi. Then it comes via, often comes via jinnat. Or it is some speculation. If it's speculation, then speculation is speculation. That is something that will be, in fact, sinful completely because that is badguman. There is no basis for that. Speculation, this is something that is just harboring suspicion. And people, unfortunately, act on these suspicions and break families and break whatever. So that is totally out of the question. And the information that came to the armies via Jinnah, that information too, often it has been that the Jinnah speak lies also. The Jinnah also speak lies. And sometimes they speak very big lies. And they can lie more than insan. So, this is something to be very, very conscious about, that never to act upon the information that somebody's name was taken to start off with, it is not permissible, not correct for anybody to give out any name like this, because there is no certainty in it. And this can tantamount to a total slander. So, to start off with, that is wrong for anybody to give out any name like that, because he's got no basis and no proof for it. And on the other side, to act upon it is totally out of the question also. Because this could be harming some totally innocent person. So, to never ever jump to those conclusions, and never ever to act upon the information given in this manner, that so-and-so did this and so-and-so did that, this is something to be very far away from. Then to just discuss these two surahs, the surah Falaq, Allah wa ta'ala says, قُلْ Falaq, that say, I seek refuge with the Lord of the daybreak. And the next surah that will start also will start in the same way, قُلْ nas, that say, I seek, Nabi Salaam is being told, say, and by means of Nabi Salaam, all his followers are being instructed to the same thing. That you say, أَعُوذُ بِرَبِّ Falaq. Or they com- commence with these words, A'udhu. I seek the protection of the Rabb of the people, the Rabb of the dawn. What we are being taught here is that this is the wazifa that Allah Ta'ala has given. If somebody else gives some wazifa, we are very, very passionate about it. So and so gave this wazifa, so and so gave that wazifa. This is a very effective wazifa. What can be more effective than the wazifa that Allah Ta'ala has given? So this is the first thing, to a'udhu bi rabbil nas, a'udhu bi rabbil falaq. I'm seeking protection with the rabb of the people, I'm seeking protection from Allah Ta'ala directly. So that is the greatest wazifa which Allah Ta'ala has given. Then the second thing is, we're seeking protection from Allah Ta'ala. This is teaching us yaqeen. That everything happens with the will and the permission of Allah Ta'ala. Nothing can happen without his permission, without his will. When the yaqeen is shifted from Allah Ta'ala, and a person starts believing that jinnat and dajjal and all these things control the world, now his yaqeen will have gone in a very, very wrong direction. So the yaqeen is that Allah Ta'ala alone has control over all these things. And as part of the system of the world, the world is a place of means. There are certain effects that have been placed in certain things, but it cannot happen without the permission of Allah Ta'ala. So if Allah Ta'ala wills, it will not happen. So we're going to turn to Allah Ta'ala. And Allah Ta'ala will take the effect away. So this is it that we have to be very conscious about the lesson that has been given here. Hazrat Maha Rashid Ahmad Ali, when he was born, so he was still a baby, and his mother was sitting with him, when a famously known jinn at that time, in those days these jinnah used to become quite visible, often people used to see them. There was a jinn that was very famously known as a very terrible jinn, very evil jinn, very powerful. He came and appeared. She saw him, he appeared in front of her. And he said, go and put this perfumed, or perfumed cotton wool on certain grave. And if you don't do that now, I will kill your son. Now he's a little baby. And after how much of uh, aspirations parents now have got that child, and now this jinnah who is known to be very evil, very harmful, 
and he's now threatening that go and leave this cotton wool, perfume cotton wool on certain grave, otherwise I'll kill your son. So she sat very calmly because she was a person, very pious person, Allah Wali, somebody who was very connected to Allah Ta'ala. She sat very calmly and said, do what you want. There he is lying there in front of you. You want to kill him, go kill him. Now it's not that she was happy for having a son killed, obviously, but she knew that this person can do nothing. This jinn can do nothing. So this was so to say mocking him. That you want to kill him, go, tell him, see what you can do. And obviously this would have infuriated that jinn, but he could not come close to the child. And he finally just disappeared. Now this is an issue that these jinnat also, like insan, there's fear within us, we fight for things, the jinnat also fight. And just as we become brave over somebody that's frightened of us, the shayateen and the jinnat also become brave of somebody over somebody who is frightened. Somebody is very brave, they also are afraid of you. So we should never express fear. It's human nature to feel that we would, from within ourselves, never express fear for these things. So in any case, Allah Ta'ala says, قُلْ أَعُوذُ بِرَبِّ الْفَلَقِ Falak, I seek refuge with the rub of the dawn. The dawn is morning. Morning brings light. The dawn brings light. And what is being given here is the hope. That no matter what the situation may be, out of this darkness, this darkness will finally disappear and light will come. So don't ever lose hope. Turn to Allah Ta'ala. When a person turns to Allah Ta'ala, the darkness will disappear and the light will come. So, قُلْ أَعُوذُ بِرَبِّ الْخَلَقِ مِنْ شَرِّ مَا خَلَقِ From the evil of whatever Allah Ta'ala has created. I am seeking His protection. مَا خَلَقِ Every evil. Nothing in particular that is mentioned here. It is all comprehensive. Anything and everything. So this is an extremely comprehensive wazifa for the safety from all evil. Then Allah Ta'ala says, مِنْ وَمِنْ شَرِّ غَاسِقٍ إِذَا وَقَبْ and I seek Allah Ta'ala's protection from the darkness when it envelops, from the evil of the night when it penetrates. Why is the night being mentioned here? Because this is generally the time when all these kind of evils are done. Jinn, Jadu, etc. Generally the time that all this is practiced is at night. So therefore a person is being taught to seek the protection of the evil of the darkness when it penetrates. وَمِنْ شَرِّ غَاسِقٍ إِذَا وَقَبْ وَمِنْ and from the evil of the of the woman that were blowing that blow onto knots. Why women are being mentioned there is because of the specific situation that happened at that time, that Labid ibn Asam, the Yahudi that did this, he got his daughters to read whatever their spells were and blow on those knots on the hair. So therefore, this was mentioned in this ayat that seeking refuge from the Females that blow on the knots, but this includes anyone and everyone, it is not confined to the situation at that time and the females of that day. And then, I am seeking the protection of Allah Ta'ala from the jealousy of the jealous one, when he expresses this jealousy, when he acts up upon this jealousy. Now, what is being discussed here is jealousy because often this jinn, well this jadu etc. is done out of jealousy. A person becomes jealous over somebody else and now he cannot bear to see that person enjoying those ni'mads, those bounties. So now he starts resorting to some way or the other to deprive the person from that bounty. So what he does sometimes, he will resort to things like jadu. So a person is being told to make this or to seek Allah's protection from this jealousy. But this is another lesson. One is never to be jealous over anybody. But at the same time, not to invite jealousy. How does a person invite jealousy? We keep flashing about with all our ni'mas and bounties that Allah has blessed. Use it, but there's no need to flash it about. There's no need to make a display of it. But now people want to make a display of everything. Person wants to have a comfortable home, no problem. But you don't have to now make the outside so attractive that the, every passerby is looking at it, that what's going on here. Person wants to drive around in a very, very eye-catching, shiny car that everybody's head must turn. Wants to wear such kind of clothes that everybody now must turn around and look. And wants to flash around with jewelry and whatever else. 
in front of all and sundry. Now these things invite jealousy. And it invites sometimes even nazar, which is not even intended in a wrong way. Al-Ainu Haqqun, in the Hadith Sharif it mentioned that the effects of the eye, this is a reality. That a person sometimes looks at something good, and that look, though he didn't intend it, sometimes that look has an effect. And it can have an effect to the extent that it sometimes makes somebody sick also. This is all part of the system that Allah Ta'ala has put effects in various things. So a person throws a knife at somebody, the knife will hurt him, the knife will stab him. Likewise, sometimes the glance of a person can be having a stabbing effect, can hurt somebody. So when a person is flashing about with things, he's inviting this nazar, he's inviting this hasad. Then the other thing to learn here is that this hasad or this eye, this can be practiced even via a photograph. So now people want to flash their photographs all over the place, Instagram and on other social media and whatever else. And somebody who wants to cast some spell, they can use this also. So this is not a plain thing, it's not something that to start off with to take those photographs is haram. And in the Hadith Sharif it is mentioned that the people who will be punished the most on the day of Qiyamah is Al-Musawwirun, the picture makers. So that is already a major thing. And on top of that, one exposes oneself to this kind of difficulties. That somebody now has the opportunity to cast these kind of spells via those photographs. So now people who are very fond of taking the so-called selfies, which sounds very much like selfish. So this is opening themselves to and exposing themselves to all these kind of problems. So this is something to be very careful about, that a person does not invite jealousy. And then in the second surah, surah Nas, Allah Ta'ala says, Qul nas, I seek protection of the Rabb of the people, Malikin Nas, Ilahin Nas. There are three things, Rabbin Nas, Malikin Nas, Ilahin Nas. The Rabb, the nurturer of the people, the king of the people, and the deity of the people. A person in dunya may have many so-called nurturers, those who nurture him, parents, might be a king, like anyone else you can run to for help, but they all at the end of the day are limited. And they can only do something or the other to a certain point, and they fail also. And that to only Allah Ta'ala wills they will be able to do something. Allah Ta'ala is the all-powerful. Allah Ta'ala is the king of kings. Allah Ta'ala is the nurturer. So therefore to turn to Allah Ta'ala. And nobody has the power he has. So when, why don't we turn to Allah Ta'ala right from the beginning? Instead of going here, there and everywhere, right from the starting point, one turns sincerely to Allah Ta'ala. So, قُلْ أَعُوذْ بِرَبِّ النَّاسِ مَلِكِ النَّاسِ إِلَاهِ النَّاسِ مِنْ شَرِّ الْوَسْوَاتِ الْخَنَّاسِ I seek the refuge of Allah Ta'ala from the evil of the whisperer who retreats. This whisperer refers to the shayateen. Who retreats, retreats when? As soon as the name of Allah Ta'ala is taken, then the shaitan retreats. The shaitan cannot then remain. Ibn Abbas he says regarding this ayat of the Quran Sharif, the tafsir of this ayat, al-waswas al-khannas, he says that this refers to shaitan, that shaitan is perched on the heart of insan. And as soon as ta'in saha wa ghafala waswasa, as soon as this insan becomes unmindful, he becomes neglectful of Allah Ta'ala's remembrance, Immediately shaitan, like a mosquito, puts its, uh, its uh, the sharp point, it pokes it into the flesh of a person, shaitan puts his snout into the heart of a person, and he starts whispering evil thoughts. But, وَإِذَا ذَكَرَ اللَّهِ خَنَسَ As soon as a person turns to the remembrance of Allah Ta'ala, remembers Allah Ta'ala from his heart, shaitan immediately retreats, he cannot bear that. So this is the thing that, we are seeking protection from this khannas, this whisperer, who are this waswas, this whisperer that retreats, and min al-jinnati wal nas, this whisperer, this shaitan, who is from among jinn, and from among human beings as well. So even among human beings also, there are sometimes these shayateen in human form. And they also, they cast these kind of whispers in a person's heart, tempt a person towards haram, take a person towards evil, 
So all these things are also important that we keep in mind, that we stay away from bad company. We stay away from things that influence a person in the wrong direction. These effects of shayateen, they come from various things. They come from the wrong environments. A person is in an evil environment, a person is in an environment of uh, sin, and the effects of shayateen are there. A person is in an environment of music, in an environment of haram, so the effects of shayateen are very intense there. And this is very likely that a person could then get affected by this shayateen. Likewise, sometimes the effects of this shayateen come also in the instant way, unnecessarily, a woman exposes her body. This is understood very clearly from the incident when Nabi Sallallahu after he received the first wahi. So he naturally, first time he saw Jibreel Sallallahu Alaihi he naturally became very frightened. Because first time he's encountering a being of that night, nature, that he's from the east to west, he covered the entire place. So in any case he became very frightened naturally, but then he was obviously fully convinced that this is the angel from Allah Ta'ala. But the Khadija from her side merely to console Nabi Sallallahu After he came and told her that I saw this. So she was now wondering that is this really an angel or is this some shaitan? So she said the next time you see him, please tell me. So when Nabi Sallallahu the next time Jibreel Sallallahu came, so Nabi Sallallahu immediately told her that yes I can see him now, he's here, he's approached. So she came on the right of him, he said, can you still see him? He said, yes. She came on the left, can you still see him? Yes. Eventually, she uncovered her hair and she lowered her neckline. And she asked, can you still see him? She says, no, I cannot see him anymore, he's gone. She said, then you can be rest assured he is not anything evil. He is an angel, otherwise he would have remained here. And he would have not bothered about running away. But this is an angel, therefore as soon as I uncovered my hair, etc., he immediately went away out of this modesty. But the shayateen, they will affect, attack even more. So this is also something to be conscious about, that not to unnecessarily keep any part of the body exposed which is not necessary to expose. Then, what we learn from all this is, that these are the things that we are supposed to be turning to. This is the very simple remedies that we have been given, the very effective remedies. But as a last resort, after a person has done all this, a person needs to see an army. Then this is permissible, it's a treatment, but after this process has been undertaken, then a person very carefully decides who one approaches for some kind of help, somebody who is Allah conscious, somebody who upholds the laws of being generally as far as we can see, and especially in the case of where women are seeking any treatment, somebody who upholds the laws of Parada, and his manner of treatment is not in any way infringing any of the laws of Sharia and Deen. Then, if one needs to resort to the treatment of such an Amil, then it is permissible, it's not impermissible, but the, pro- the procedure is that a person goes about it in this way. First, undertake medical treatment. If that becomes obvious that there is no real sign of any problem medically, then together with dua from day one, together with dua, and it starts off with dua, then a person should intensify dua. And together with intensifying dua, be practicing on all these aspects that we mentioned. And as a last resort, then a person can refer to an amil as well. All these are the, the security measures that we have been taught to undertake. Now when a person undertakes all the security measures, the person has put the burglar guards, has put an alarm system, he's put electric fencing, he's put even a guard station out of the house. Now, what this means is that he has now made it very, very difficult to get affected. But that doesn't mean that he can never get affected. There have been places with all the guards and all the security and all the alarms and all the whatever else, Burglars still managed to break through all that and come in. So sometimes, despite all the security measures, sometimes it's a test from Allah Ta'ala, like in the case of Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, this was a test, but this was so many lessons for his Ummah also. 
So in any case, that whatever then happens by the will of Allah Ta'ala, a person will undertake whatever is necessary to undertake at that stage, but a person doesn't leave his house doors wide open, leave no, don't have any burglars in the windows, and leave everything lying around, and say, well, whatever is meant to happen will happen, nobody does that. We undertake all the precautions, we secure the place well, and then we say that we have done what is in our capacity, we leave it to Allah Ta'ala, whatever Allah Ta'ala wills will definitely happen. So this is that what we have to do, we secure ourselves spiritually, we undertake the prescriptions that Nabi Salaam has given us, and inshallah Allah Ta'ala will protect us. May Allah Ta'ala give us a topic that we adhere to the Quran and Sunnah very closely, we undertake the prescriptions of Rasulullah Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, and may Allah Ta'ala make it a means of our protection in every sense of the word, in dunya, and Allah Ta'ala take us, keep us with Iman, take us with Iman, and raise us on the day of Qiyamah with Iman, وَآخِرُ دَعْوَانَا الْحَمْدُ لِلَّهِ رَبِّ الْعَالَمِينَ اللهم لك الحمد كله ولك الشكر كله اللهم لا نحصي ثناء عليك أنت كما أثنيت على نفسك جزا الله عنا نبينا محمد صلى الله عليه وسلم بما هو أهله ربنا ظلمنا أنفسنا وإن لم تغفر لنا وترحمنا لنكونن من الخاسرين اللهم افتح لنا بالخير واختم لنا بالخير واجعل عواقب أمورنا بالخير بيدك الخير إنك على كل شيء قدير اللهم إنا نسألك من خير ما سألك منه نبيك وحبيبك سيدنا محمد صلى الله عليه وسلم ونعوذ بك من شر ما استعاذك منه نبيك وحبيبك سيدنا محمد صلى الله عليه وسلم أنت المستعان وعليك البلاغ ولا حول ولا قوة إلا بالله العلي العظيم وصلى الله تعالى على خير خلقه سيدنا محمد وآله وصحبه معين والحمد لله رب